Hello and welcome everyone to this episode of Witches on the Couch. I am per usual one of your hosts. My name is Nikki and I am a witch. Hi, I'm your other host. My name is Jade and I'm also a witch. So I feel like we should full disclosure disclosure this. Um, We recorded this episode before and my computer turned on us both in that process. So this is attempt number two of trying to make this episode work for us. And I told Jade, I was like, if this one doesn't go through, um, you guys are going to get like a 10 minute update and we're just going to move on with our lives because I I can't record this a third time. I just, I physically cannot. Fingers crossed for us all. Yeah, hopefully um, our recording gets its shit together. Yep. All right. Well, before you get mad at it and jinx it any further, let's get started. Again, we are on Still Witches of East End, uh, episode number seven, Unburied. Not the most delightful episode, but it's, hey. Yeah, it's this, this is one of the reasons also why I'm like, I can't do this a third time is this isn't even one of like our favorite, like easy rewatchable episodes or anything. It's like, so far it's for me, it's like the worst episode of the season. So I'm like, the fact we have to do this twice, how fucking dare we? I like the way it starts out, though. Real interesting. So Wendy is tied up to a chair in a circle of red salt, sand, dirt. We don't know. Nikki and I have argued about this before. We don't know. You just said chair so dramatically. Like, Wendy is tied up in a chair. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's what gave me pause. Nothing else here was dramatic. The chair was the most important part. Didn't even realize. (laughs) Crack a cold one with the boys. Ingrid is torturing Wendy. Wendy says that this isn't you. Ingrid knows, well, this is exactly who I am. And then totally Indiana Jones that plunges her hand straight through the chest to grab her heart. You have to reference one of the worst Indiana Jones is in this, like, ever. Okay, but that movie gave us Short Round, and I like Short Round. Didn't that actor, like, go on to do other stuff? Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah, I'm like, isn't he, like, kind of famous now? So, I mean, props on that. But, like, Harrison Ford is, like, very much a bitter old man right now. So, I'm also kind of upset with him in my ongoing life. But, yeah, it looks like we're, um, we're on the pursuit to murder Wendy. Again, once Yay. more. Never <laughs> ending. <you> ever. <laughs> <laughs> How fucking dare you? Just keeping, you know, keeping it rolling. 24 hours earlier, and what I felt was like I literally had to Google when The Hangover came out because, which was multiple years before this episode came out. Um, because right after The Hangover came out, literally everything was like, suddenly, 24 hours earlier this, 24 hours earlier that. And so I was like, oh, are we doing, are we doing The Hangover bit now? That 
no, it's it's still a, a stylized way to do things, but it just got huge for everything right after the hangover. It did really become the style of like introducing everyone to 20 seconds of a climactic scene and then like jumping away and being like, and this is how we got there. Which don't get me wrong, not a bad storytelling style. Like it goes way back, even like prior hangover. I it I remember that like happening in Star Trek Next Generation in the 90s. Like that was a pretty common bit. But I will give you that I wasn't I wasn't on the hangover train. Like I remember when Hangover came out and was huge. I didn't watch it till like six years later. Cause I was like, that looks stupid. And I think I was right. That looks stupid. It was stupid. Uh, I don't understand why everyone was obsessed with that movie. It was so dumb. It was so completely dumb. But every like movie and show following it was like trying to catch the weird, dumb lightning in the bottle that was that film. Well, I was like, you guys don't need this. You guys shouldn't make this an iconic film you guys are, every other movie that came after it i'm like you're better than the hangover yeah i agree but anywho so this not hangover related just <laughs> regular story which is to be said is better than the hangover <laughs> 24 hours earlier freya's putting away supplies like doing an inventory basically at the bar killian comes in to help it's apparently very warm. You know, they're talking about how the furnaces are broken, etc. cetera. Uh, Killian, very sensually somehow, wipes, uh, there's a bead of sweat running down Freya's arm and you know, he wipes it off and they're all intense. And somehow it's supposed to be sexy because then they start making out. But went right over my head. Almost anything this couple does could be sensual just because they're both such pretty people. I wholeheartedly disagree because I still don't see how being a sweat running down her arm being wiped off by him is well, whatever. It's I mean, it's also so obviously not a bead of sweat. It's definitely like a spray bottle drip of water. I don't know. I didn't mind it. I, I don't mind it. I was like, whatever. This is fine. You guys have tension. I get it. But dumb. Yeah. Anywho, you seemed really upset by it. Because <laughs> it's so dumb. Anywho, before I harp on this for another 10 minutes, Frey and Killian start making out per huge. <laughs> but it turns out <laughs> per the huge. <laughs> turns out. Thank you. Turns out Frey was sleeping. She wakes up and dashes bed teasing her because she was apparently flopping like fish and sleep talking but he couldn't quite hear what she was saying she apparently has always had this issue with sleep talking but uh she can't remember what she was dreaming about so dash is gonna have to listen very closely next time of course she remembers what she was dreaming about she remembers all of the bits with killian uh, i mean this is something that i i give like her groggy waking up lying brain props like she was super convincing when he was like hey what are you what was the dream about and she's like oh I just don't remember my dreams like I legitimately had a moment where I was like oh yeah is that like an is that like a character trait is that something we like narratively all know and then I was like 
thinking about it as it went on, I was like, oh no, we've actually played in her dreams a lot. Like I just believed her lie <laughs> as the audience. Yes. Cool. <laughs> Uh, one thing though that bugs me about the scene, Dash immediately was like, "Well, I gotta go to work," and I was like, "So, so she just woke you up in the middle of the night, and you're conveniently just—it's time for you to go to work." <laughs> what? <laughs> what? It was so quick. It was so pointless. But it just bugs me. <laughs> I. I mean, I can get that maybe like his alarm was gonna go off in like twenty minutes. And he was like, all right, maybe I'll just like say I'll go to work like get early, get coffee this morning because like there's no point going back to sleep. Um, one part of the scene that I was pissed I kind of liked was that Dash mentions that the first time Freya ever told him she loved him was in her sleep and he felt like a fool because he said it back even though she was asleep. And I was like, damn it, that's cute. Oh, that is cute. Damn it. I was so pissed because I'm always so anti-Dash because he bugs me on so many levels. But I was like, why did this have to be cute? Shit. Gotta dig the hooks in. It's upsetting. So Dash goes to work. Frey goes home. She's looking in the Gormar for dream help. Eirid comes in. Frey admits about the engagement party and her kissing Tilliot. Ingrid, don't judge me. No, I can't judge you. Like, maybe I would have before. But um, after all the stuff I've done, I can't judge you. It was good for you, England. It was also a little bit of a callback to, I think, episode two, when Freya's, like, tells Ingrid that she has feelings for Dash um, and Killian. And the whole time, Ingrid's just like, oh, Freya. (laughs) Don't, oh, Freya. (laughs) She does it again, where she tells her she kissed Killian. And she's, oh, Freya. And I was like, thank you. (laughs) That kind of saved the scene for me. Yes. I thought about that, too. Um, But Ingrid, you know, who's been just massively studying her more, obviously, she's like, oh, this is this is what you need. Here's the section. This is probably the spell you want to do. Wendy very conveniently comes right in. Ingrid leaves ASAP because if you recall from the previous episode, we had just learned that Wendy killed Ingrid in the past life. And Ingrid's really weird about it. <laughs> yeah, lo and behold, her <laughs> trademark awkwardness when she's slightly uncomfortable. <laughs> um, Wendy confirms, though, you know, talking to Freya, she and Joanna got rid of all that Ramus Mordium that was at Fairhaven. Freya asked Wendy to read her tarot cards. Wendy very, nope, mm -mm, I don't do it for family. That's just asking for trouble. She also gives her some good advice on the cards that she says the cards are like not something she likes to read for family members in particular, but overall it's nothing that should be used as like a fix it. Like I'm conflicted. It's a fix it. Like the cards are going to say what they say. And once they say it, you can't take it back. So you have to be fully prepared for what might happen. And she, I think she can kind of see Freya's a little, freaking out right now so like this is probably not the good headspace to be in to do the tarot card reading but in true Freya style she just convinces Wendy to do it anyway 
tries to at least um no she totally does she's like she's finally like oh no we just need the proper time i'll be in the oh. right ahead space and she asks wendy if she'll do it after this library fundraiser they're supposed to both go to for That's right but Inc. like you could definitely tell that wendy's it seems like wendy's just trying to appease her and not actually gonna do it i thought she was gonna do it i didn't get that i thought she was just talking outside of her mouth um but yes i do like actually when you're actually gonna go to that fundraiser right Aunt wendy <laughs> oh yeah free booze and rich men i'll be there early <laughs> super convincingly wendy cracks me up i mean a library fundraiser with alcohol sounds delightful to me as someone who has spent an insane amount of time in a library growing up with my co-host i'm like what a lovely time that sounds like like i think we'd have so much fun if our like old library was having a fundraiser like that was like this heck yeah uh because i feel like it would end up being sort of like a like when i went to the exploratorium at night for my birthday yeah, yeah that was super fun which was awesome yeah i had a really good time with that that was uh remember back when we could go out and like do stuff yeah this yeah this also might just be covid brain where i'm like an event of any kind like it, it just sounds like a thrill to me in any human way but i also like our library i don't know i miss that library it's a good library. me too still have my original library card so jealous. From like 2001 it would have been i'm so jealous my brother has his too, so you guys can like tote that over me. He already I always does. Will. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to the <laughs> library, actually, in the show. So, yes. <laughs> that, that co worker that. Neither of us can remember his name, and I'm sorry because he's cool. That Ingrid's worthless. He's not the pregnant one. He's the other. One. <laughs> he's the only guy. It's like we uh, remember Barb's name. I'm like, oh yeah, Barb, who's pregnant, and her coworker. And then I'm like, then there's that one over yeah, there. Yeah, I was like, I want to say it's an H name, and then I want to say like Harrison, but then I'm like Harrison was the lawyer. Oh yeah, so then... I was like, wait a minute, that sounds familiar. Yeah, it's it's the lawyer that I loved. Yeah. Anywho, coworker. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, fellow coworker. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, ask him if there's if there was a darkness in her. What would he say? And he just scoffs. You can't even check out a library book. You can't even take a library book home without checking it out first. Like, there's no darkness in you. Shut up. <laughs> I love it. Just so quick, but... Um, get interrupted. I, oh, yeah. I will say, as someone who volunteered at the library growing up and works in, like, data management and, like, that kind of field for a while... Yeah, you check out your own damn shit because if you don't and then you forget about it and it goes missing later, it's more of a headache that's completely on you that you knew 
you were the cause of. Like, you don't want to cause yourself problems down the line. Like, you follow your own protocol to a T for your own goddamn sanity. Like, that's just good common sense. It is. It is. (laughs) Valid points. Uh, I got kind of upset about this beat. I was like, well, it just makes good common sense, good man. Like, co-worker of mine. <laughs> all righty uh so they're interrupted by a dude looking for a bunch of books need some asap just grab and bring them to my table okay okay uh, so since he's rude ingrid just snaps at him just you know starting to basically yell at him and uh Aren't you aren't you librarians supposed to help people find books? Yeah, when you're nice and people who deserve it, you don't deserve it. To the point where, like, you know, they're going on. She must have been a hall monitor just because she likes to tell people to shush, and then they're getting loud, so she actually tells them to shush. <laughs> and then, this was the best dumbest fight ever, and I loved it. I loved it so much. Yes. so stupid and it was perfect <laughs> well and then it's the next lie that really gets me the coworker pulls her away maybe you're a little darker than we thought <laughs> <sighs> I mean I also have to say it um, so this character is played by an actor that I adore <laughs> um, I can't remember his name but he was in Dollhouse he played Victor I loved Dollhouse. I know Joss Whedon is really like problematic right now, but like, I, I'm not here to debate that or anything. I'm just saying Dollhouse, which is one of the shows he worked on, was fantastic, and I loved it. Um, and Victor was amazing in it. This actor was also in the first Avengers movie with a one-line role, and I also freaked out in theaters about that. So uh, seeing him show up on Witches of East End just to have this adorable fight that was so stupid. I I kind of freaked out about. Like, he really could have done anything in this scene. I would have been like, it's perfect. <laughs> it's the perfect scene. All right. I didn't realize the crush was that deep. I, he's, oh, that sounds so stupid. He's not one of my boys. I, ha- I have, like, two boys that are, like, the two actors that I just, like, will watch anything they do. And that's um, Ewan McGregor and Carl Urban. Oh, I knew Ian, but... Yeah. Carl oh. Urban, yeah, that makes sense. He's my other boy, yeah. Him, him as Bones, it's just... Cherry on top. I... Yeah, also in the Marvel Universe for a while. Yeah, I guess all my boys got to show up in the Marvel Universe at some point. Ian McGregor, get on that. Um, but he's actually in the show titled the boys and I was like well here we are I had to be here (laughs) and um it is an amazing show it's arguably one of my favorite shows I'm not gonna lie highly recommend it but we will cut away from all of that and I believe get to Freya because we're cutting away from this library which sad I love that library but Freya who goes to uh Ben's elbow which is the bar her and Killian work at it looks like Killian's working a shift and she's like off that day or something 
but they start chatting and she just kind of looks at him and kind of cocks her head she's like so your hair do you mean it to do that when you wake up like did you was this a conscious choice what's up shots fired yeah <laughs> rude it's like we as the viewer all know what she's doing because um ingrid earlier says that the dream control spell she freya will need a bit of hair from the person she doesn't want to dream about anymore so she needs some Killian's hair. So this is all a grand ploy to do so. But Killian's kind of just like, yeah, I like my hair. It looks fine. It, Killian has beautiful hair. Like this is this is an insult that we all know is a freaking lie. But it seems to work well enough. Uh, Freya says that she can cut it. She's cut like all her friend's hair. She cut her sister's hair. She's really good at it. And... Even if he doesn't want his haircut, you know, his mom would really like it because she's always commenting on how bad it looks, which is not a lie. We have actually brought that up in other episodes where uh, Penelope is always saying that he needs a haircut. Thank you for putting on a hat for this podcasting, Jade. Why do you, why do you have a hat that makes it look like you're trying to join the British family? This is my derby hat. Why do you have a derby hat? Because occasionally I like to wear it when I watch the Kentucky Derby. My mom and I like to pretend we're fancy. Anywho, I'm, I'm just so- fiddling with shit like in boxes that I have right next to my desk. So I am so fascinated by this, though. Like you, I'm completely taken off the story by this this art history of a hat and this Kentucky Derby fun fact that hat is so big it literally goes off our video panel not even that big by Kentucky Derby (laughs) standards so I did not know you were into uh, horse racing it's just the Kentucky Derby because it's fun to dress up in their ridiculous styles I actually actually I didn't like it until Shit, I can't remember the horse now. It was like California Dreamin' or something like that. Anywho, horse from California, though. Uh, almost got the Triple Crown. Oh. In like 2015, 2014. It was 2015. And it was cool. Because I happened to see parts of all those races. And then I think it came in like second or third at the actual final race. Interesting. So, so then I actually kind of keep up with it. Did you ever go to uh, the California State Fair? Nope. Well, um, if well, you're... Well, I mean, as a child. Yeah, that doesn't count. Um, next time you're in California, when COVID's manageable slash fast and we have state fairs again and stuff, they do horse racing there. They have like a full track and field stuff. A point to apparently win some money there every state fair to uh, pay for my snack budget nice. so which uh, is a lot there so exactly actually um when i was young there fbi don't come for me when i was young there um i would try to gamble but i was obviously under the age so i would just like tell my dad who i wanted to win and he'd like go place like one dollar to two dollar bets on me because i had like allowance money 
Um, uh-huh. I I made like fifty bucks. Like it nice. was, yeah, it was really impressive. And last time I was there as a legal gambling age adult, um, <laughs> I think I made like another forty or something. So, yeah, my family likes to go to the track and like hang out there. Plus, it's like usually somewhat like they have misters and stuff, so it's kind of somewhere you can like chill in the fair and like hang for a little bit, eat some snacks. Uh, yeah yeah it's it's a good time highly recommend it they will probably take us when things settle if you want okay well sounds like fun good to know keep that in mind yeah it's not, i i mean you can wear your derby hat if the mood really strikes you <laughs> oh <laughs> anyway sorry let's get back, back to now. this oh no that was a random moment that i completely enjoyed let's get back to this though um so Killian's gonna lose this battle that's just kind of how that goes on like Freya's not really taking no for an answer on this one so she's like you know I'm just gonna cut it your mom really want me to besides I'm gonna do a great job so come on we'll go to the back room it's kind of slow anyway so she starts pulling him from behind the bar to the back room where we have all the uh so many scenes before and he says the cutest little line where he's so defeated he's just like I don't want my hair cut and I was like oh baby you're getting your hair cut. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It was was so sweet. I kind of loved it. It was. So we cut to the back room where um, Killian is like sitting down on a crate or something. It looks like we threw a drop cloth around him. So Freya is uh, air quotes cutting his hair. She, she is not cutting that hair. There is, like, no strands coming off that pretty little head. I mean, technically, she is cutting it. It's just... she only We only see her cut, like, just, just a tiny little snippet. It's like when you're in school or something, and you are scared of cutting your own hair, so you cut off, like, the smallest of split ends humanly possible... So if you screw up, like no one will ever notice because it was less than a centimeter of hair. That's that's how much hair she cuts. It's it's yeah, that, well, it's that bad. Uh, but while she's cutting his hair, uh, they actually have the conversation that she had in her dream. So we mirror that conversation from earlier, where he's like, "Oh, it's so hot in here." She's like, "Yeah, I've been trying to get the heater fixed and." You know, they have, like, the same conversation from the dream, and it's like, oh, shit. What's going on here now? Uh, Then she kind of, you know, does the crosses in front to make sure the front is even, even though she's, again, cut no hair. And so she's, like, directly in front of his face, and they start having a moment where they almost kiss. And then Amy comes in and interrupts the, the moment. Yay, Amy. <laughs> we do like Amy. Amy's sweet. Amy's fun. Amy's from the good place. Like, how how can we say bad things about her? Seriously. Uh, but she just comes in and it's like, oh, I'm like interrupting. Da-da. And they're like, no, no, we're done because we haven't cut any of my hair. And so Killian and Amy leave and Freya uh, picks up the one centimeter of hair that she's cut and pulls out a little like potion bottle that already already has some like blue liquid in it 
and so haphazardly like kind of just sprinkles the hair over the bottle again I was like you have so little hair to work with please just like aim you see it go in though and that's all that matters yeah she has like two strands in um which we can obviously assume is the dream control potion that Ingrid was talking about earlier shakes it up and then has to chug it nasty it's a little gross not only is there hair in that but that hair was on the ground of your inventory room yeah i was gonna say in the back room of a bar yeah that's um that's that's kind of gross like it's i'm it's an unfortunate moment for freya and spellcraft in general But we cut away from all of this, uh, having hopefully done enough hair magic, to where we see Ingrid, who's back at the house. And she's going through, like, the magic box as the grimoire and everything in it. And she's going through all these photos that seem to depict her sometimes and then the rest of the family throughout the ages. Like, they're all in that black and white, you know, aged photo look. Joanne uh, enters and is like, hey, what are we doing? Like, what's up, love? And this is when Ingrid kind of lays everything out for Joanna, where she tells her about, like, why she's still upset about what went on with her past life spell, what's going on with Wendy, and that more than that, having gone through all these photos and boxes, she now realizes that the core of the secret is that her and Freya will always die young. Yes. Which is an accurate discovery. <laughs> Joanna immediately tries to reassure her and is like, well, that's that's not necessarily true. To which Ingrid, unfortunately, has a shit ton of proof to really really knocked Joanna down on this um to which Ingrid is kind of just like well what am I supposed to do then like we never live past this age like is all pointless like if we're just saying keep living the same life over and over and Joanna's like it's actually the first time we've seen Joanna this entire episode (laughs) I just realized um but Joanna does her best to really try to make Ingrid feel better where she says like you know every life is completely different you're a completely different person every time and you've never lived this long before but you're gonna keep living because I'm gonna make sure of it like you got me you got Wendy we're gonna protect you so the best thing you can do is live your life make whatever choices you want and just live basically it's a pretty good speech. I felt kind of brought up from it. I was like, all right, that was reassuring. Yeah, it was good. I, I felt reassured. I had a moment where I, was, where I was like, okay, I can go take on the world now. Wait a minute. Can't leave my apartment. Never mind. So reassuring up until the next scene, Joanna's at the cemetery. Well, it turns shift, out. Shifter Joanna. That's what I was just about to say. We have the crazy Actually. eyes. It's not even like a... You have to, like, it looks like Joanna for a second, and then they get closer and you see the eyes. All right, fair enough. I was like, it's not even a convincing lie. <laughs> Anywho, Shifter Joe. Shifter uh... <laughs> Joe, we call her. But <laughs> <laughs> <Would> you... <sighs> Uh, 
<laughs> I almost just called her Shifter Joe again. I can't do that. <laughs> um, we're at Ingrid's headstone, gravestone, tombstone, whatever the fuck you want to call it. From when she died, uh, you know, 100 years ago, that time that she was involved with Archibald and Wendy killed her. And Shifter Joe is doing a spell, makes this Ingrid rise up from the dead. Uh, they go over to like a little river creek thing where this Joe shifts to show that it's actually Penelope. And she reveals later on she's actually Athena, Archibald's daughter. So Which we already knew from the last episode. <laughs> yes. But now super confirmed. Uh, so now I don't know what to call her because she goes, she's got two names. I'm just going to call her Pentina from now on. Because it's the FYI. perfect name. It's the perfect Pentina. name for her. Yeah. Well, besides Shifty Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Never going to let me live that down. Shifty uh, Joe in the cemetery <laughs> again. So this little bit, we shift around a little bit between scenes. So we show that it's Athena, and then back at the house, Wendy's really worried, talking to Joanna, real Joanna, not Shifty Joe, about (laughs) Freya asking for a tarot reading. Joanna tells her, no, you should do it. Or don't. I don't care anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Tells Wendy that Ingrid found out about the curse. Only a matter of time before Freya finds out. Also confirms that Ingrid knows that Wendy is the one who killed her way back when. They end up having a nice, lovely sister talk, basically ending up with Jenna also telling Wendy because she told Ingrid, just, you know, seize the day. You can see a little light bulb in Wendy's eyes. Love it. Switch back over to the river in Panthena. Okay, are we on a river? It looked like a swamp. It looks sort of like... Okay, when it's dark, it looks sort of swampy. When it's actually light in this scene, it actually looks kind of like a, just a cute little creek. I definitely wrote down, wait, are we in a swamp? What? <laughs> <laughs> Also, like, I think they had a smoke machine on set and they were like, by God, we're going to get our money's worth out of the fact we own this thing. Because <laughs> it's like the first time we like use a fog machine in this entire show. And it was the most random time to use it. Where I was like, did you guys just have it? You're like, we have to use it today. It goes back to the shop. Like, <laughs> I made the same comment about Justice League, the Jack Snyder. The Zack Snyder cut. Because <laughs> there's one scene that's like completely smoke machined. And I was just like, you guys just really had to get your money's worth out of that, didn't you? And it's so distracting. It's so bad. Anyway. Anywho. Doesn't matter. I'm saying it's a river. It's really more of a creek. The swamp. No. <laughs> uh, uses the water, though, to make Ingrid look normal. That'll hold for a day or two. Instructs her. Go get the serpent's clavum. It looks like a golden snake. It's got a key at the end. Wendy has it. Apparently, you you know. She she says she like stole it from Archibald or something. Yeah. Yeah. Way back when. 
Which like also doesn't make a lot of sense because we know how much like Wendy hated him. But right. Okay. Ingrid doesn't know that though. Not from this life. Uh tells Ingrid, get it back, and you can kill Wendy. Revenge for when she killed you. Whoop de doo. Woohoo! Let's just basically, yeah, razzles her up. Let's put zombie Ingrid on the case. <laughs> right. It's gonna work out so well. Oh no. <laughs> so cut over to Lovely Field. Dashing Leo. Catching right, butterflies. <laughs> Overly muscled butterfly catcher. God, right? Like he this this guy does crossfit or something on the side, cause like like hella P90X. Yeah, like you you don't need that much muscles to be like a butterfly biologist in the field. There's like he, he could bench press me. You say that like you're heavy. I guess 100 pounds is still. I'm over 100 pounds. I know you are, but still. Okay, you can bench press both of us. How about that? All right, there we go. That's more impressive. <laughs> I don't know. I have a little weak baby arms, so I'm just like lifting anything. I'm just like. <laughs> Same. Actually, I don't think I could bench. I can't bench press more than like 20 pounds, so I guess. I can't bench press like anything, like. Yeah, I think uh, my friend who was training me prior COVID measured, like, the circumference of, like, my bicep. It's, like, eight inches. Cute. Yeah, she literally measured it twice because she's like, that can't be right. How do you pick stuff up? With extreme difficulty. That reminds me. <laughs> Side note. Uh, for my birthday, friend's mom was making me, like, this uh, beaded leather bracelet. And so she had me measure my wrist and it's 5.5 inches and she's like no it's too small like the smallest I've worked on is six inches measure again so I measured and I took a picture and it's 5.5 inches she's like you have child wrists (laughs) she's like that's a good thing and I was just like thank you is it though (laughs) I mean I also have like itty bay wrists like I can literally grab my pinky to my thumb around my wrists um Oh, I'm so close. Yeah, I like I can cover my whole pinky now. Uh, oh. But I also have really long fingers, so I don't yeah. know what that says about it. But I have had that problem with like ring sizes and stuff because the ring I currently wear on my middle ring on my left hand is, I believe, a size five and a half. My mother's pinky ring size is a three and a half. Wow. We we wear children's jewelry moral of the story guys your co-hosts have some weird hands and arms just funky proportions <laughs> just for, go with that and just for get some that reason nice you want to send us a bracelet you now know our sizes <laughs> anywho okay weird diversion i mean yeah we have to talk so, about freddie prince jr hella ripped Lepidopterous <laughs> in a field with just like easy peasy butterfly net, nothing fancy. That's all you need. True. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> there's a moment where I saw the scientist in you about to like really fight this, and then you're like, nah. <laughs> nah. Like, there's other stuff you can't use, but technically. Okay, stop it. 
<laughs> Leo is mad at her for ditching out, for using him, for taking his beautiful butterfly. Like, what did you even need it for anywhere? I can't tell you, but I am really sorry. It's like, there was a spark, Leo. We should explore that. <laughs> Wendy is such a smooth talker. Like, because they start this argument and Leo's like, you stole from me a prized possession. You slept with me and then like left me afterwards. Do you even live in the building? Was everything you said a lie? And then she's like, but I think we could make something here. And I was like, she makes a fair point, Leo. Was that even your cat? Y- yes, that was oh, my cat. Oh, that cake cat is definitely mine. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, I was shocked by this because, like, I was like, yeah, Leo, let her have it. And then, like, she talked her two sentences. I was like, she makes a strong case. She's got this. Couple years of practice. Um, convinces him to go to lunch, though. And then ends with a kiss. So smooth talking that we could go from hating my guts to making out within just a few minutes. He did not stand a chance. No. And we pan out and zombie Ingrid is watching from the woods. Not creepy at all. In that ridiculous red leather jacket. I like her outfit. I don't think I'd wear that jacket, but I like the outfit. As someone who wears leather jackets, I do have, um, like, I have two green ones. Bright leather jackets are fun. It's just like it's so not her. It's so it looks so weird seeing Ingrid in like a bright red jacket and like a short dress. It looks like something Freya would wear. I was just like, this is a Freya outfit. This isn't an Ingrid yeah. outfit. But it's also how we know it's zombie Ingrid. We're like, ah, the jacket. Yeah. <laughs> At least that's how I'm tracking her. So we cut away from this to the library fundraiser that we kind of talked about a little bit that morning. As I said, it looks like fun. There's like alcohol. Everyone's kind of dressed up. They're all just kind of mingling and hanging out. Looks like a good time. Uh, As they're all just chilling around, Ingrid is going through the stacks. Looks like she's going somewhere. Stops because she sees a stack of books just laying on the ground and in true Ingrid fashion has to reshelve them. She's not a monster. So she uh, starts reshelving the books and around one of the stacks comes a random a random guy, random dude. Uh, we find out his name is George and he is so very much hitting on her in a very unsettling way. I do not like this boy. I do not like this man. That's that's how that goes. Um, basically, George like asks her out or asks if she wants to like do something after the fundraiser, and Ingrid says no, and then he takes it in the worst guy way, where it's like, oh well, she's obviously playing hard to get because she likes to play these mind games. And basically, like, grabs her wrist to stop her from walking away from him because he's a complete douchebag. And Ingrid, in response, tells him to let go of her wrist. He kind of makes a slimy, like, or what, like, thing to which she mumbles a spell and breaks his fucking wrist. 
Oh, snap. I didn't mean it like that. But. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to even have noticed it unless you said it. <laughs> I realized right after I did say it. Oh, that was great. Um, <laughs> but you know, like goals. Um, so the guy like takes a few steps back because now he has a broken ass wrist. And as he does so, um, Victor, not Victor, the rude guy from earlier just kind of comes out fucking nowhere and slams him back against the shelf is like, yeah, you gotta, yeah, yeah, out here now, dude. I loved it. I was like, you know, the, it was already in hand. Like the situation was fine. Ingrid's a badass, but I love a good insult to injury moment. This guy not only just broke his wrist, he then had his wrist slammed against a shelf. It was great. I loved it. I was like, yeah, do it again. Yeah. Do it again. Like, Karma. Oh, I loved it. And like, I don't know. It was, it was, a, it was an interesting moment. It was a good moment, especially because we've all saw the opening scene of this man where they argue pretty blatantly. So, like, now that he's like, hey, we don't get along, but, like, ha, fuck no. I was like, good good call, dude. Good job. So, we cut away from this to see Freya, who's walking around the main floor with Dash. As, like, apparently Dash, apparently everyone's at this fundraiser. Like, literally, like, our whole main cast is basically here. Minus Wendy. But, like... Dash is here, Killian is here, Amy is here, like everyone is here. Minus Barb, because she's pregnant. But everyone else is here. So Dash um is talking with Freya. Freya's like sitting down the steps, and he invites her to go to London with him the following day. Uh apparently he has a medical conference there where he's going to talk about vaccinations. And thought that it'd be great if she could come. Uh, you know, Ing- Ingrid. Freya's, like, immediately excited about this. Because who the fuck wouldn't be? Like, just to be like, oh, tomorrow do you want to go to London? And she says that's the first time she can have a stamp on her passport. Because she's never le- left East End. So it's, like, a freaking thrill. As she's obviously giddy about it, Dash is like, okay, well, while we're there, why don't we just like tack on a couple extra days in Paris, you know, after the conference. God damn it, Dash. Don't try to buy my love. Who's <laughs> yeah. talking like that? Right? I, mm. uh, so once again, Frey is obviously like, yes, let's do it. God, fantastic. And I was like, yep, that's, that actually sounds like a nice time. I, I understand the love that's happening here. So when everyone's just kind of mingling about doing their thing, Freya, I forgot her name for a second. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> who is it? Uh, crosses the path of Amy and Killian, who, like I said, are also there for some reason. I don't know why everyone's at this fundraiser. Maybe because it looks delightful. But Amy asked Killian if he went out with Freya before because it seems like there's a vibe between them and she doesn't want to like get in the middle of anything. And Killian's, you know, Killian's like, nope, never dated her, never nothing. Everything's fine. She's marrying Dash. Don't know why you would read a room. (laughs) Damn it. 
I think Amy and him kind of separate. I honestly didn't even know how, but Freya then jumps back into like the scene and drags Killian back into the book stacks where she says that she has a bad feeling in her gut that something's going to happen. He's noticeably skeptical. Says she goes, she goes, no, I, I've, I've had this feeling before. I always know when something bad's going to happen. I can feel it in my bones. Thought you could feel it in your gut. I can feel it in both. I love that. Brian loved it. Oh my God. I was laughing so hard. But Freya basically wants to make sure that he's not going to tell anyone over the fact that they made out at her engagement party because she has this bad feeling and now she's getting he's getting close to Amy. She doesn't want it to like come to the surface. He kind of reassures her nothing bad's going to happen. Why would he tell anyone that like it's so past, it's so stupid. It doesn't mean anything and she goes, "Right, it doesn't mean anything." So they walk out the stacks and then fucking Dash emerges from the other side of the bookcase because you are never actually safe in the stacks. Uh, really though they chose the worst place to have this conversation you guys work together talk about it at work that would be too simple (laughs) so now dash knows oh snap yeah yeah i think like and i get it like i said i volunteered at libraries i've spent time time at libraries there is something very like reassuring of when you're the only one down an aisle of books where you do feel very separated from everyone you're like yes I am alone in this world obviously even though it's such a lie it's just like your brain being comfortable because the second you go down to the next like aisle there's like 10 people who probably heard you talking to yourself trying to find that goddamn book because doing decimal system it's difficult and then I believe we cut away once more to the fact that Wendy is not at this fundraiser, as I said earlier. She is at Leo's. Having sex. So we see her back in the apartment, which was last the scene of her crimes. And she's just wearing one of Leo's shirts, kind of wandering around. It's like, oh, where did you want to go to for lunch? Because I thought we were supposed to do that, like a real date so leo kind of calls from the other room and it's like oh you know it's fine we're just we're building up our appetite first damn you leo so cute also gonna pause this so you know they're being all cutesy pre kind of sleep post sleeping together and as Leo walks out, he's just in a towel. Just being fucking ripped. And he's like, okay, well, like, we'll get dressed and we'll just go somewhere for lunch. I don't really care where, but sounds fun. She's like, okay. So he goes to leave and then she uses her little magic and pulls the towel away. Best use of magic ever. It's very 
Fritz Jr. Like we're all just having a moment with Freddie Fritz Jr. The moral of this episode is this episode's not that good, but we get to see a lot of Freddie Fritz Jr. So maybe it's actually better than we think. So yes, the extreme amount of Freddie Prince Jr., um, the large amount of Freddie Prince Jr. we get to see in this episode. Might be the redeeming- extra fun, but- It's just the redeeming quality of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow we'll make it through. (laughs) Freddie Prince Jr., if you're out there, hi. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I think he's still married to Sarah Michelle Geller, but we also love her. So, you know, good yeah, I was like, so also I don't actually care. Uh, as Leo leaves to get dressed, uh, Wendy starts getting herself put together when zombie Ingrid comes up marching on in and basically is like, oh, Wendy, thank God. Like we have to go. We have to help mom. Um, excuse me. She says mother. We have to go help mother the shifter something's wrong and wendy barely gets on her amazing boots good job wendy um no she says mom first and then mother second oh zombie ingrid tries to lead wendy out which she does she drags her into the hallway wendy just kind of shouts back in the um, room is like leo something's wrong with my sister i have to go bye uh to which leo just goes what Poor Leo. Poor baby boy Leo. Uh, So zombie Ingrid drags her down the hall and says that she needs to get something to save uh, mom. And it's that uh, golden snake that apparently she has, or at least they know where it is. And Wendy is like, "Uh, we don't have it. And how do you know about that? Twitch Ingrid's Oh, you told me. Don't you remember? Like, you you told me all about it. Wendy's like, nuh-uh. And Ingrid kind of does a Hail Mary where she's like, well, we need it to save Mother. To which, um, Wendy's not playing this shit. Nope. She kind of catches on to how weird this is. And it's like, who the fuck are you? To which... Ingrid goes, I'm your niece. And Magic's Wendy pushing her down the stairway, like down a good flight of apartment interior stairway stairs. And Ingrid fishes, the one you killed, remember? Oh, snap. Yeah, so now we've come full circle. We're back to the start, basically. Wendy's in that chair. I say it all dramatic, like just to <laughs> screw it to Nikki. It wasn't the same uh, as the beginning. The beginning just had a wispiness to it. I, I can't right. do it anymore. Me neither, apparently. <laughs> Bummer. Uh, you know, salt ish circle, whatever. Wendy's immobilized. Uh, Wendy asks, uh, Are you the shifter? No, but the shifter did bring you back and reanimated me. You know, it's cool. Wendy's just, you know, when interrogated, sticks with Serpent's Clavum was destroyed. Like, there's nothing. You can torture me, but you're not going to get anything because it was destroyed. I don't have it. Ingrid doesn't care. Um, you know, does a spell and just 
does burn lines all up her arms. Poor, poor Wendy as uh, she can't they look, fucking move. They look painful. They really do. They're like, definitely bubbly skin and yeah, it's some second-degree shit right there. That's not like the pan is hot. That's like, maybe consult your doctor. Yeah. Yeah, burns are rough. Yeah. Everyone's had a bad burn at some point in their life to the point where I feel like they can respect this. <laughs> so, as Wendy is screaming, because she's literally being burned by Ingrid... We then cut away, well, zombie Ingrid, but still. We cut away to real Ingrid, who's uh, just crossing the street. She has some coffee. And we see uh, not Victor Victor sitting on a bench across the street. And she kind of sits down next to him. And he's like, oh, am I allowed on this bench? It's kind of cute. It's it's not overly mean. He just kind of says it jokingly. And she's like, yes, of course. And they... How, they have a good coming to terms where she thanks him for helping him with uh, George in the library, even though she's like, I had it handled. And he's like, I can see that. I just uh, thought I'd help where I could. So they have a really good moment about it. Uh, they apologize to each other for their earlier exchange. She says she shouldn't have jumped on him about being rude. He says he shouldn't have been so rude. And this is also where they reintroduce themselves to each other. And we discover this guy's name is Mike. Boom. So they have this really nice moment before uh, Ingrid says she has to go to work or something. This episode's timeline is super screwy. I don't really know where we're at. Like, yeah, I know like it says like 24 hours earlier, which makes me think, you, you know, we're, we're all still in the same day. But I like, feel like we've done yeah. a lot. We've done a lot. Like we had Ingrid at work. Then apparently the fundraiser was like a brunch event or a lunch event because Wendy was going to go to lunch instead. And then Ingrid left work to get coffee and is now going back to work. It was just, it's a lot of like jumping around in people's schedules. The point where I was like, what day is this? Yeah, same. Um, But... Ingrid leaves once more and we do a kind of pan circle around Mike where we see that uh, what was in his lap is blueprints of Fairhaven. As we cut away from this, uh, Freya is back at the bent elbow where again, Killian is now working the bar again. I don't know how everyone can just take like three hour lunches to like go to fundraisers. I don't get what's going on here, but Killian's back at work. As you do. And apparently Freya's looking everywhere for Dash. She can't find him. He disappeared from the charity event. Killian says he hasn't seen him. He's not here. And then Dash just kind of walks in, crosses behind the bar, punches Killian in the face, and walks out. So Dash definitely knows. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the it's weirdly the most random scene. Like it it portrays something, but it's like a 10 second scene and then we're just done with it. it it's like, it's over. And following this, uh, we actually see that we are cutting back to the main house where Leo is there. 
He's like knocking on the door, and uh, Joanna and and I don't know that Joanna answers. To which Leo is like, "Hey, is, is Wendy here?" <laughs> Poor Leo. Joanna's no. Who the hell are you? <laughs> it's so it's so sad, so sweet. Leo's really really nice about it. It's like, "Oh, I'm Leo. I'm I'm." a friend of your sister's we were gonna go to lunch and uh she she forgot her purse at my place and he he provides the purse which is like it also an obvious like okay this guy does know wendy moment for joanna because that's obviously her sister's purse and he's like she's forgot my house i just wanted to return it she kind of yelled that she had to leave really quick because there was an emergency with her sister joanna's like well i'm the sister and I'm fine. So basically. They have they have this really good moment because like like I said, they don't know each other. Like literally it's them meeting for the first time. Um, but they have this good moment where it's like obvious they're both super concerned in this moment, but because they don't know each other, they don't want to like project that on each other. So Leo's like, well. I'm sure she'll be fine. And Joanna's like, yeah, yeah, she'll show up. It'll be great. And they just kind of stare at each other. Such obvious concern in their eyes. And then Leo leaves. Poor boy doesn't know what else to do. Uh, Joanna immediately ducks back into the house and begins to scry for Wendy. And this was a really cool scrying thing. It's like a map of East End. And it's just like all these little light points that are like scattered across the map. Yeah, just like bright green little pinpricks. It's, it is cool. It's super cool. And it's like as Joanna's like chanting and trying to scry for her, you see like all the little pinpricks of like, like start to join together and like center on a spot. And then we get this like really intense shot of Joanna where it's just like really up close to her face and like her hair is kind of blown back a little. And it's the face of I'm going to have to go kill a bitch. <laughs> Basically. We recognize it by this point. <laughs> We've seen this face on Joanna before. Usually before she has to go kill a bitch. But I like that she's actually like, this is when they reveal she's not searching for Wendy. She's searching for Wendy's necklace. Which is always on her. So yeah. Which is clever. Crafty, though. Clever. I loved it. I it was such an intense scene that the next cutaway was actually like really weird and also like kind of disappointing because then we cut to Dash who's back at Fairhaven angry packing and Freya's like chased after him he says he's saying leave early for London he needs to get away from a little bit get away from her because he heard everything he knows about the kiss he knows what's going on freya tries to apologize says if he could just like wait so they could talk about it he says he can't even look at her and just angrily grabs his bag and walks out so disappointing there's such a disappointing moment like oh my god wow okay Like, I feel like this is something you'd want to talk about. I would want to know more here. Right. I would have questions. Same. Like, even if I'm upset, there'll be angry questions. I don't care. I still want to talk about it. Like, you get to the bottom of it. But nope, Dash is uh, leaving the situation. 
and leaving Freya looking heartbroken. <sighs> Great way to end it. And then we cut over to even worse stuff. Hagrid's still torturing Wendy. We'll kill Wendy over and over. You know, she'll wait in between till she comes back and kill her again. Till she's out of lies. Wendy admits that killing Ingrid was a mistake. It was an accident. This isn't Ingrid. But Ingrid says, yes, this is. And that's when we get the hand of the chest. Indiana Jones. Ali Ma. And then we get Badass Joe. Joanna comes in. You know, is calm about the situation, given everything. Okay, we'll just we'll just grab Wendy and we'll go home. But then Ingrid goes to attack her, and Joanna immediately stops her. Does a spell that translates basically into revert to prior state. So Ingrid just dissolves. But before she does, but you don't kill people, Janet says. You were already dead. First of all, whoa, great, great last words. Like, yeah, you won, you won that fight with those words. Second of all, Joanna, we've seen you kill like three people. Like, I get that. Like, morally, you try not to, but we've seen quite a quite a bit of blood on your hands as of late. So let's uh. Let's not beat around the bush on that. So Zomb Ingrid's dead again. We're going back home. (laughs) Joanna's telling Ingrid all about what happened, except for the fact that it was old Ingrid that was doing it. Um, We'll just have to wait for Wendy to wake up. She's been healed besides death. Besides the fact that, you know, it was a murder. (laughs) (laughs) Small things. Uh, Freya comes in crying about Dash. He's run away. You know, he doesn't even think he's going to want to marry her anymore. Finally, Joanna is in on the loop for so many different things, but confesses to Joanna that I guess Killian, here's what happened. And Joanna's very sweet. I like what she says, but basically boils down to Dash is going to remember why he loved you, Freya. On this trip, he's going to be mad, and then he's going to miss you, and then he's going to remember why he loves you. Good words and of her, Yeah, right? Joanna's seen some things. Been around a while. <laughs> Got those, those good grains of wisdom. Uh, <laughs> so then, why are, Frey asked, why are we just watching Wendy sleeping? Oh, she's dead. Again? <laughs> she's not asleep. She's dead. <laughs> I caught again. I love how, like, casual Joanna is about it. She's just, like, she's still, you know, like, kind of petting her hair, trying to make her feel nice. Oh, she's not asleep. She's dead. Cookie? Very <laughs> <laughs> uh, conveniently, though, this is when Wendy wakes up very suddenly. I think Joanna is like, there we go. Like, it's like. Yeah. Joanna, very, I love it. Very sisterly moment. Hey, uh, Leo, stop by for you, Wendy. 
checking up on you and you know i'm I'm glad you're taking my advice yeah she's saying did. all Ooh, super man cute. did she <laughs> uh and then she died so really uh ingrid's worst fears did kind of come true with that but i seize the day and that leads to my death so definitely definitely so anywho uh the three start to leave to leave wendy to rest uh, since she just you know came back from the dead wendy holds ingrid back though asks if they're even now ingrid doesn't know what the hell she's talking about you know, or even for, I killed you, you killed me. <laughs> oh, you didn't know that you killed me? <laughs> so now, of course, when Ingrid's immediately panicking that she's a terrible person. And since she was bad back then, she's obviously still got to be bad now. Wendy is very sweet. Goes on about a couple, you know, different lines that are all very good. But basically assures Ingrid every life is different and even though you know Ingrid's worried about them dying soon because they're close to that age like it's unavoidable when he's like nope we're changing things we're gonna do our best and besides this current Ingrid's my favorite Ingrid Mm. it's super sweet it's super sweet I I was like, oh, I think the only other line I really liked in this was when Ingrid was freaking out and she's like, well, if history is anything to go off of, we're going to die soon anyway. And when he goes, history can change. I've seen it. And I was like, what have you seen? Give me that. That like I was interest peaked. Like I was like, oh, what now? Right. (sighs) I, I'm glad, though, that we kind of wrapped up this um, this Wendy-Ingrid confrontation awkwardness. Because if they were going to, like, play that out throughout the rest of the season, I would have gotten so sick of it. I'm yeah. glad it was only, like, two episodes. I agree. And, like, this is kind of something I just want to bring up now because we're about to kind of, like, get away from it. But as I said, like, this episode's kind of whatever. A lot of it is just, like, catching up all the characters on everything everyone else is doing. So it's, like, everyone's kind of had their own independent secrets throughout this point of the show. So, like, seven episodes. And now we're all just, like, cross-sharing them. So now everyone knows that Freya kissed Killian. Everyone knows that Ingrid's, like, fucked up some magic. Everyone knows that in a past life she killed um, Wendy. Wendy... No, she knows like it's just a, like Joanna's in on it all now because Joanna was dealing you know with a murder charge she was really out of the loop so this is really just like getting the whole cast of characters caught up with everything we all know which unfortunately for the viewer pretty slow does not come off as super entertaining because we all know this but it's kind of necessary for like the story to go forward yeah Yes. Speaking of story going forward, uh, we head over to Freya is now at the bar, closing it up. Inventory, etc. Killian comes in to help. My, it's hot in here. <laughs> oh, the furnaces won't get fixed. Well, Killian says he'll bug Roger 
manager, somebody, whatever, about it. I'm good at bucking people out here. Freya freezes, realizes it's a dream. Tells him, get out. This is the last dream that I'm going to have about you. You know, he tries to fight it. Sweet talk his way to stay. Freya shuts the door on him and then wakes up in her bed. And, you know, you pan out. We see that half that potion bottle is gone on her bedside table. So it worked. She per- successfully performed a spell. Oh, my God, though. Like the. There's a word I was looking for. I can't I can't apparently find if my life depended for it. The small like complete intrigue of this is when he's trying to sweet talk and be like no just like let me stay when she slams the door the last line we hear from Killian is none of this is what you think and I was like what is this this was like another like line where I was just like wait a minute I need more you got me I admit it what's going on like well and so there's been they said it, I think it was the very first episode when Freya went to go visit Killian on the dock, but it turned out it was a dream. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I've waited 400 years for this. And mm-hmm. then it just like, that never came up again. And now it seems like it's about to come up. And I'm just like, you can't drop that line, then never say it. And right? six episodes later. So I'm hoping that that's a thing. Here we are again. I don't remember exactly how that panned out from the first time I went through all this, so it's an exciting new thing for me. I mean, and it I, just gets so fucking close in this episode, and then no, no. We also like know that like the dreams are somewhat connected. Like we've established that just because they've both admitted that they dreamed about each other before they met each other. So it's like there's something going on here. Enough is what we think. (laughs) It drove me crazy in that, like, it hooked me again. I was like, all right, I'm back. I admit it. So, yeah, Freya starts wandering the house because she can't sleep after this, obviously. I I don't know. I assume it's, like, midnight, 1 a.m. at this point. Freya seems like a night owl, so. But she goes back to the main, like, sitting room, dining room area where Joanna's actually up and awake and sitting at the table. Freya kind of sits down next to her and can see that Joanna has uh, spread the cards out. She's actually doing a reading uh, to which Freya's like, so where are you doing? Like, what's it for? And Joanna goes, oh, it's, it's for you. You were confessing to Wendy how you wanted your cards read. And with everything going on, I thought I would, it was a good idea for me to read them for you. And then we also find out the reading is complicated. According to Joanna's reading, the future is shrouded around Freya. And we can see that in the center is her and she is surrounded by friends and family and love, but the future is a bit of a mystery. And that is because of two conflicting cards, one being the trickster and one being the emperor. Uh, Trickster is not a card found in your average deck, but it'll work for our purposes here. So just saying, usually be like the fool or the hanged man, but it's fine. 
Joanna then says that these cards are often seen as brothers and depicted as so, and that they divide her heart, one represented as the dark and one the light. And one of these men is her soulmate. The other is her destroyer. Wow. Just yeah. big odds. We Either just end. got stakes. Like, stakes just happened. And that's why her future is so shrouded. It depends on the choices she makes. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. That... I love it. Do not get me wrong. First of all, Joanna handles the scene beautifully. It's mysterious. It's deep. It's fun. I was, I was in, I was involved. I was there, but also like this, you know, it's always been a little like YA fictiony that we had this love triangle between like Dash and Killian where, you know, it was like the bad boy versus like the clean cut doctor. And it, it never really had stakes. It was just a YA love triangle. But now we have fucking stakes of like, yeah, one of them will literally destroy you. The other is your forever true love. Yeah. Yeah. No big deal. You know, easy peasy. No big. It's fine. And so this obviously is jarring to Freya because like, what the hell is she supposed to do? Joanna doesn't know. Freya doesn't know. We leave the scene as Freya decides to go try to go back to sleep. And we cut to even later in the night. I don't think Joanna's going to bed tonight. Like, she's... By now, it's, like, what? Like, 3 a.m., 2 a.m.? Like, what's yeah, going on here? Something like that. Um, so she's sitting in the window, uh, just drinking some delightful alcohol of some form. When Wendy enters and kind of sits down next to her, asks if she can have a drink with her. She pours her some. And Wendy wants to know about the Serpent's Clavin as well. She's like, hey, that was destroyed, right? We don't have it. Because when I was being tortured by zombie Ingrid, she was really insistent that I knew where it was or that I had it. And I kept telling her it was destroyed, but she wouldn't believe me. There's no reason to believe it wasn't. Is there? And Joanna is very straightforward about it. She goes, no, it was definitely destroyed. I saw it destroyed. We destroyed ourselves. It's dangerous. And trust me, no one's going to open a portal because that thing's not around. So I don't know where she's getting that, but it's for sure as hell not true. Wendy kind of nods and says, okay, like it just must have been something put in her head or she was losing it or something. And she kind of shifts and like rearranges her kind of silky robe. And as she does so, we can see Wendy's necklace is a different color. It used to be green. Now it's red. Oh, shit. And Joanna immediately kind of takes a breath and notes it. This is when we discover Wendy's on her last life. She has died eight times and this is her last one. Wendy now also has stakes. The stakes that were built these last 10 minutes. Why do we have to say it all for the end? I know, right? I was like, like I said, this episode was kind of boring and dull. And that's why I like put in that little bit at the beginning. Because I was like, now everything's about to happen. And it did. And so we're now in Wendy's last life. We do a really weird random scene cut to uh, Panthina, also known as Shifty Joe, who is... 
back at Fairhaven talking to a portrait of her dead father. And I need it noted, the portrait doesn't move. There's no magic or anything happening with this portrait. She's literally just kind of thinking out loud and getting it out by talking to this portrait of Archibald and says that she needs more power. And then there's like a moment where she kind of thinks and sighs goes, yes, yes. So stupid. So pointless. Because then we immediately cut away again. I was like, what was that? Right? That was... There was no need. <laughs> like, I get it. Show. I get it. She's our villain. Like, I, I knew this. I knew this with the zombie. We really portrayed it with the zombie. Like, but we cut back to Joanna <laughs> at like 4 a.m. now. And she has her galoshes on. She's thrown on a jacket. And she is very worriedly digging in her backyard. A lot of energy going on here. Real vibe check moment. After <laughs> digging for a few minutes, she eventually pulls up a heavy-looking metal box, throws the lid off, and inside is a serpent's clavin staring right back at us. Oh my gosh. So Joanna knew where it was the whole time, and I believed her lies. And that's where we end the episode. What a cliffhanger. So, final thoughts, feelings, opinions, moments. I have expressed everything throughout this episode. Like, it was not a great episode, and then just wham, bam, right all at the end. So many things. It's, yeah, it's really not a great episode. I really... As I said, it's kind of essential that I guess we catch all the characters up and on what all the characters are doing. But the fact that we just threw what seemed like a roller coaster of events in those last 10 minutes was weird and jarring. And I feel like this is an episode where if you are like rewatching the show or you're not really committed to the show, but you just kind of want to like see what happens, you can kind of skip this episode. Like the recap of the next episode and everything else will really just kind of fill you in like you can fill in the blanks on your own probably next episode because everyone will just kind of know what everyone's up to and you can just be like oh they must have found out last episode cool so yeah i'd say this episode overall lifts right out but we covered it nonetheless twice unfortunately so all that aside, shall we get into our deep dive? Yes, ma'am. I'm excited for this deep dive because we are doing how to make your own grimoire slash spell book, whatever you want to call it. Book of Shadows, baby. Yeah. Um, everybody's different. I give Nikki shit for hers. No, my but... <laughs> So it's adorable, yes. Uh, I like to keep everything in just one spot. I am of the opinion that you should just have one book. So if you run out and you need to run out of pages of one, you transfer it all to a new one and burn the old one. This is not Nikki's opinion. No. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, you know, because it's 
a reflection of you. So they typically get pretty jumbled up. And that kind of drives me crazy. So that's one reason also why I like to keep it all in one. So if you finish one, that gives me a chance to go through and like reorganize what I do have and still add space for what is coming up. Um, I like if I, <laughs> I would like to have like a three ring binder and so I can keep everything organized, but at the same time, like I'm not having a three ring binder for my grimoire. I feel like I need to be a little bit more legitimate book yeah you like the bound style and like the the three ring binder is something I heard about from a different podcast it's a witch witch it's a really good podcast actually go check it out uh but they were talking about their grimoires and their spell books and how they like it to be like super organized and that's always the big I guess speed bump and then like continuing theirs is they're like well what if I think of something else or I realize like I want this section to be somewhere else so like having the three ring binder and like you know they make nice ones they have like really good like leather bound ones so if you're like I want to look tacky there's nice ones out there but that allows them to put all their pages in like page protectors and then move them around as they build their book so like it's it's not a me thing I also prefer my books to be bound but if that's one of the reasons why grimoires and like spellbooks and all that seem daunting to you then that is an easy fix um but like I said you know your grimoire is a, a collection of you so um one thing that I had briefly done actually in the past that I'm terrible at staying up with now um color coding so like highlight the top corner of a page so then I can know like um I want to say like I had purple for like dream visiony spells and then I had like red for like sigils and um, potion mixes things like that um, I think I had green for just like herb notes and stuff like that and it was really really helpful for just kind of more quickly flipping through but Again, I didn't keep up with it. <laughs> really should have. Um, but also Science like... 2020. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my grimoire also just has like random quotes. And as uh, we were digging through last time, I didn't realize, but I have this random like pastel drawing in mine. Ooh. So, you know, Go it literally it. has... Thank you. No magical significance. It's just... Lovely. I was obviously effing around and <laughs> whatever. Um, but yeah, it's definitely uh, as you learn new things, just go ahead, stick it in your grimoire. As you learn, you know, you, you tweak some things, you learn, oh, maybe that spell didn't quite work for me. Crossing stuff out, overwrite. It's fine. It gets messy, but it's nice to see your growth and your progress as well as keep everything in one handy spot. So, or actually before Nikki goes into it while I'm still in my, cause I know what she's about to say. Um, if you're going to keep multiple books, <laughs> I am of the opinion, have them divided by subject. Like, you know, sort of like how encyclopedias go, you have a through C in this one 
D through G in this one, you know, stuff like that. Runes and symbols in this one, actual spells in this one, etc. But you know, to each their own. So our our spell books look absolutely nothing alike. Like this is truly us being like different witches in this moment. We are such different practitioners. Like it's so reflected by our spell books because yours is like really nice. It's leather bound. It's like gilded pages. There's a gold like I don't even know like mandala pattern on the front. Yeah. It's it's very clean. It's very like posh. Uh, my my little spell book is made of like the natural fiber pulped paper so there's still like bits of it it is still brown you can see the leaves and barks that's in it it is completely naturally bound so both covers are made out of cardboard wood bark and twine and it has just a leaf like glazed insignia of a yin yang symbol on the front and then literally a stick to help bind the entire book that's where we're at. Uh, yours is very thick. My book is pretty small. I think we measured it last time. And it's about six inches by four inches. And it's only about an inch or so thick. Um, yeah, it's like an inch and a half thick. And I've only used like maybe a quarter of it. Yeah. I mean, I've had my grimoire since 2012. Um, so almost a decade. And I've almost completely filled this first book. And as I said, I'm of the, I'm of the mind where I'm like, I like keeping multiple books because my spell book is definitely like, it's sporadic. I fully admit that it literally goes from a wind and an air spell to a luck spell, to a healing spell, to a binding spell within like the pages that I just said. But I also, I spend so much time with my spell book that like, I kind of know where everything is just because I've flipped through it so much. That even if I don't know exact page which it's on, like if I'm looking for the binding spell, I'll be like, oh, I think it's after one of my air spells. I can just like flip to that section or that like area where I know I wrote it because I hand wrote my entire spell book. Uh, so I don't get very confused by my spell book. I feel like I know it pretty well from cover to cover. It's like I said, it's kind of small. I do like also do drawings and stuff in mine to like help reflect the spell. So there's like a feather that I pasted in on my air spell page. And I also prefer not like giant grimoires. Like I said, mine's pretty small just because I find really large pages really daunting because a lot of my spells and info is pretty short. Uh, the most like info it takes the most room is like herbs and glyphs and wards and all that. But I can write that on multiple pages, but like one spell is like three lines usually and I like to keep everything like on one page if I can. So I, I get very, I find one giant page daunting because I'm like, how do I fill this one page with one spell? It's just, it's too much for me. I know you like color code and separate. My mind cannot handle that. I am not there for it. I was just about to go into that. Yeah, I have, um, there's a couple pages where I have like a couple spells on that page and it's literally, I just alternate what, pen color I wrote it in <laughs> I uh, it's always interesting flipping through the grimoire because there are definitely like yeah for the most part I know it's in there and I generally know where things are but there's also I find something new every time I look at it like 
that drawing I didn't realize was in there. <laughs> and uh, last time I looked through this, I had found a page of just random Latin phrases that I wrote down, including in Latin, I have how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood. <laughs> because, you know, everybody needs that Latin The most important <laughs> there. <for spells>. Yeah. <laughs> um... Some random quotes that I just apparently like. For instance, uh, we stopped checking for monsters under the bed when we realized they were inside us. That's deep, actually. That's that's pretty. Yeah. Wow. Uh, see, shit. Important <laughs> things go in the grimoire. <laughs> yeah, I. Wow. wow. <laughs> um, um. Yeah, but I'm of the mind where I like keeping multiple books, and I know you don't, but I really do. As I said, I feel like I know my grimoire pretty well. I know what's in the first book. Um, I, as I said, I've almost completely filled it. I think I have about four or five pages left. So I already bought my next book of spells. Um, it's of the same vein where it's like a fabric cover. It's recycled, repurposed fabric. I think this one was made in India. So I think it was like that sari fabric recycling program thing. Um, but it's like all natural fabric and the pages are still the same where they're super thick, they're pulpy. You can see the bits of like the fibers and the natural substances that were pressed into them to make them. There's a twine, a piece of twine. And once again, a piece of a stick because that's the ongoing trend. It's also still pretty small. It's much thicker, but that's just because the pages I think are thicker. But it's about the same size as my first spell book. It's slightly bigger, maybe by like an inch. But I think they look really cute together. I'm like, they pair together very nicely, which sounds like really weird, but they do. They do. They this do. is actually, um, this is actually something we'll probably post on Instagram is pictures of our grimoires. If, just like the covers, if people are curious. Um, but they look really cute together and I like having two books. I am not encyclopedia this at all. I am definitely crazy train of thought, um, strain of consciousness kind of thing with my grimoires, but I like them. I like how I organize them. I can find my stuff. I like, I like my little books. They're cute. And I think at the end of the day, that's all that's important is that your spell book kind of reflects you and you know, you're not you're not overly freaking out about it. Yeah, true. Because I think there's always it's that not idea. kind to judge another witch by her spell book. Yeah, that's just a bitch move. Yeah, I mean, who does that? You. Um, <laughs> really, I like I judge I judge a little, but it doesn't really matter to me. You judge me on them uh, when it <laughs> when it really matters to you. That's you're getting too deep. No, that's very true. You don't really care. I I joke. I lie. I joke. Um. But I think also, like, from media and everything, it seems like, you know, the grimoire should be, like, this giant, pristine, leather-hinged book. Like, I, I bought my first book at a small um, little store in my hometown. I think it was $12. I bought my second book at Barnes & Noble. I think it was $10. Like, just find find a book you like. Like, use the three-ring binder. Like, it's don't be scared like just you can start it you can use it for your notes for your drawings for quotes you like but it's nice to have I find it it really does make me feel like I I can like 
I don't know, collect my thoughts before rituals and spells and stuff. Yes, I agree. Uh, mine was like $2 at TJ Maxx. So you can really find that shit anywhere. <laughs> TJ Maxx so. and Ross have great journal-y like notebooks. Like highly recommend. So, and if you are someone who wants like something fancy and like stuff like that, Etsy usually has really nice ones and all that good stuff. So, but yeah, um, I think at the end of this, what we're talking about, it's, it's all a matter of the witch of opinion. Jade's definitely keep one Burke book. Burke. <laughs> Jade is definitely keep one book, burn all the others. I have definitely create your own library. Uh, <laughs> But basically, end of the day, do you. And have fun with it. You know, it should be fun. It should be a reflection of you and something that you appreciate and like and can find workable. So I think that's all we had for grimoires. Yeah. Cool. So end of the podcast once more. Um, We are Witches on the Couch, watching our TV shows, making our grimoires, drinking our drinks. So, Jade, what are you drinking this week? I am drinking. Cut this little section out. The same thing as last week because I felt like I needed to. It has to be said. Really interesting seasonal blueberry wheat ale. I don't even like blueberries, but this is delicious. Uh, Just nice and light. Blue Law is the brand. Brewed here in Arlington, Texas. So, by Legal Draft Beer Company. I'm gonna... I saw it. It was a random purchase just to try it. And, like, it's legitimately gone now. I'm going to have to trust you on that it's good. Because, A, I don't really like beer that much. B, I have this long-standing belief. Blueberry does not belong in alcohol. We have tried and had interesting experiences with enough blueberry wines to really really hit this point home like even Jen I was talking to her recently and she's like I decided to buy a blueberry wine for fun and it sucks that sounds nothing like Jen but <laughs> the point uh, still stands yes I still need to like that blueberry wine that we tried that one time it was you hated it more than I did I just found it fascinating because it coated the mouth like like uh, like whole milk like a really fatty dairy product like it literally like coated the mouth and throat but it was a white wine I don't know what was going on with that thing it was it was a lot but I kept drinking it that was the problem I was going to say, because we paid for a tasting and you don't waste wine, but we were there free on my membership. So yeah, never mind. Like, we sure as hell did not pay for that tasting. <laughs> yeah. Most of the time we don't even pay for tastings because even if we go to new places, we're good clients. So we purchase a bottle of something. So our tastings cop. So it's. Yeah. Yeah. It's unless like the wine all really sucks, which has happened. Doesn't happen very often, but it has. Remember, for instance, Imagery Winery, where they had that blue. Yeah, I don't think we bought anything from them, but we did go to their sister winery and bought stuff there. So, I buy way too much of their sister winery. So, I was about to say the only place I can also think of is remember when we did the VIP tasting at that really fancy 
manner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like we we also probably weren't gonna buy anything because like the cheapest thing in our tasting was like $80 a bottle. But more than that, um they weren't worth $80. No. And so I think we ended up paying for that one as well. But we got a discount because we've been waiting so long, hence why we got the VIP tasting in the first place. Uh, yeah. Uh we waited them out. <laughs> But most other places. I actually found a really good winery um, around Sonoma that I want to take you to someday. They're great. They're really fun. I took Alyssa there last time. But yeah, they're really good. But I am glad you enjoy it because the blueberry beer does not sound like anything I would like. Nikki, other witch on the couch. What are you drinking? I am drinking a uh, cider, actually, a hard cider. So this is Golden State Cider. Um, it's from Sonoma County. It's one of those kind of like cult favorites around the county where you see them at like every fair, festival, local, like small restaurant or bar. They all serve this cider. It's really good, especially because I am drinking their Mighty Dry version. And I really only like ciders that are like pretty dry. So they make a very dry apple cider. It's pretty good. It's something I was kind of able to sip on because like I said, I got my first COVID vaccine um, a couple days ago. Really put me under the weather the following day. So this is the first day I'm kind of feeling like good again. My arm doesn't feel like it's going to fall off anymore. The haze is gone. Just the ick feeling is kind of gone. But I don't want to like make a hard alcohol cocktail right now. I was like contemplating it. And I was like, honestly, that sounds horrible right now. But I could just sip on a nice dry cider and it's it's hitting the spot. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Yes. We are um well, we're in different states, but we're we've both gotten our first vaccine shot now, finally. So progress. Yeah, we're moving forward. I, you know, I support the vaccination effort. I think everyone who can have the ability to get vaccinated and can, you know, like be approved by their doctor or so-and-so should. So, you know, help with that herd mentality, baby. Right. We have such issues with it anyway. I know. Um, and I'm super excited. I am due for my second dose next week. Ooh, that's super exciting. I'm not due yeah. for another few weeks. I think you have three or four weeks in between. I know I'm on the calendar. I'm all set up. Um, so it's happening, but uh, I have a little bit, but I will be fully vaccinated by June. So summer hits, your girl is there and seems like your other girl is there. So health, safety, precautions, possible. Maybe we can actually see each other this summer because we do everything across states. Knock on wood, fingers crossed. Right. But I do know flights are still expensive and stuff, so I don't expect you to just fly to California just to see little old me. Well, it works out now. But okay. at the same time, fly to California and see little <laughs> old me. <laughs> uh, so, times get tough sometimes. We all understand. We've all been there, especially after 2020. But, you know, life sucks besides 2020. We all understand that, too. If you get so deep, dark down, you're contemplating suicide. Do not. I don't even know you. Please do not. Wholeheartedly. 
it's so hard to talk about it, but once you can start to open up, it helps a little bit. Um, if you are contemplating suicide, uh, go ahead and, and, you know, in the States, call the suicide hotline 1-800-273-8255. You can also text crisis Healthline at uh, their 24-7. So their number is 741-741. I guess also if you go into an ER and you tell them you're having suicidal ideations, they can put you under an observation, get you to a therapist for a few days. Also very helpful. Again, so hard to reach out, but please always do. Um, I also just found this out recently. It's not going to be valid or active till July, but the National Suicide Prevention Line was recently approved in the United States to have a designated three-digit emergency number. As I said, it's not active till July, but that will be 988, similar to 911. This will help with increased accessibility and hopefully decrease stigma against reaching out. So that's obviously a big win for the United States. But once more, this is not valid, active, or available in the United States until apparently July, I think is still going through processes. Exciting times. Yeah, good to know. Yeah, right. Uh, so thank you, everyone, for joining us on this episode. You know, we had a fun time for this being our second go-round on an episode that wasn't even our favorite. But I think we were able to you know, bring some joy, bring some fun to it. We still got some good stuff across. Uh, we got Shady Joe from it. That's just, that's gold right there. So thanks for listening during this day, morning, evening, night, afternoon, whenever you guys tend to listen to us these days. You guys can also follow us on Instagram where we are once more just witches on the couch, same name. It can't get enough of us here. You can find us over there. I've also recently done a couple podcasts with my brother on his show, which is the Babysitter's Book Club. Um, it's just a book review, fun time show of the 1980s Babysitter's Club books. I've done a few episodes. One of them is good. Uh, <laughs> but you can go check me out there. Jade will be appearing on that show at some point as well. And we are in the works to hopefully be doing a crossover where we will be either having him on this show or we're both going on his. We're working it out. Still, still in the works. But thank you for listening and joining us on this. Please like, subscribe make a review, whatever you need to do to help Wandering Witches find our show. And we will talk to you guys and see you all later. Bye, you guys. Bye.